tell there's at least one person who's excited here today. So good to be with you. Good morning, everybody. God bless you. I, uh, yeah, so here we are again, and it's winter, right? I woke up this morning, and um, I looked out the window, and I saw the snow, and and uh, and then, of course, you add to that what we've been kind of going through in our nation and what everything has been going on. And my I just I tell you right now, I was I went to I went to warfare this morning right there in the wee hours of the morning, looking out that window, seeing that and kind of coming through this last week. And I just felt like oh, I don't have the right word. That was my first thought. I think that was a devil. I think that was uh, I think the the darkness was trying to discourage me. So, but I do think I have a, uh, I believe I have a word from God for us today. You know, in the times that we're living in and the things that we're going through, and then you add to that our own dilemmas and our own things going on, on in our life, we, it can feel like we're in a valley. And um, I've been, I felt like the Lord dropped this, whispered this word into my spirit, really, in the wee hours of the morning. In fact, I was, and I feel like it was, came out of Isaiah chapter 40, verse 4, where the Lord said, I will exalt every valley. And then he said, I will, I will bring low every hill or mountain. And he said, the crooked places I will make straight, and the rough places I will make smooth. And when, I, when you look at that verse of Scripture, he's not saying you won't face mountains, or you won't go through valleys, or you won't go through rough places. But he's saying, with me... It's no problem. That's what he's saying. You're going to go through valleys. You're going to come up against mountains. You're going to go through crooked places. But if I'm there, you're going to be okay. And I, so that's an encouraging word, at least for me, I know. And, uh, but we're in this uh, series on valleys. And, and uh, today I have a, a word. I've entitled this word, Digging Ditches. And uh, but if I if I could change the title, here's what I would here's what I would call it: digging for your miracle. I think I would call it that: digging for your miracle. This is a passage out of Second Kings. Last week we were in First Kings. If you have your Bibles, you may want to open to Second Kings chapter three. And I'm not going to read the whole story, but I do want to read a little portion of scripture of this story. And let me just set this up real quick: the king of uh, Israel was going to war against the Moabites. All of Israel was divided in two nations. There was the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom, Israel and Judah. Jehoram was king of Israel. He was going to go to war against the Moabites, but he invited the king of Jerusalem, Jehoshaphat, to join him and also the king or the nation of Edom. And all three of those allied nations were going to go to war against Moab. And uh, so as they were going out, the Bible says, and I'm not going to read this portion of it, it says they went out by way of a wilderness area, which led them into a valley. And the valley was a riverbed valley. In the Bible, talk, there's various kinds of valleys that are mentioned, and one of them is a riverbed kind of valley. And they apparently thought that this was a good route to take and that there would more, most likely be water there. But as they got going, verse 9 says, and they went round about or in a securitous way or the message Bible said they made a looping detour and they found themselves out stuck in the desert for seven days and uh, they were without 
well, they had food, but they were without water for their animals and for the men. So the animals were beginning to die off. The men were dehydrated. And here they are kind of uh, going around and around and not really being able to get to their destination. Anybody know that feeling of just kind of going in circles in your life? And you thought you had a destination. You thought you were going over there. But as you got going, you kind of got detoured. And not only that, but to add insult to injury, you're, you feel like you're dying in the process. Like things are, you know, you're wasting away. So anyway, that's where they were. And uh, when they got out there, uh, you know, the king, king Jehoram was basically overwhelmed. And this is where I want to pick up with. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to pick up. Uh, well, let me, let me just say before I start in verse 13. I'm going to start in verse 13. But King Jehoram just kind of out of desperation, said, God has brought us out here to die. And uh, so he, he's like, where is God? God is not with us. And, and, and Jehoshaphat, the godly king, said, I love his response, is there a prophet in the house? And uh, he said, Jehoram was all ready to accept defeat, and Joshua was like, we need to get an answer from God. How many of you know that there's, there's two ways you could go? You could go Jehoram way or you can go Jehoshaphat way. And so he said, we need to hear from God. And so somebody told him about this prophet named Elisha. And, and Jehoshaphat said, he's got the word of the Lord. And so they went to Elisha. And this is where I want to pick up, verse 13. And it says, then Elisha said to the king of Israel, this is almost comical, he says, what have I to do with you? Jehoram was a wicked king. He was not a good king. He was not a nice king. And Elisha's like, what am, what are you, why are you here? Go to the prophets of your father and the prophets of your mother. But the king of Israel said to him, No, for the Lord has called these three kings together to deliver them into the hand of Moab. And Elisha said, As the Lord of hosts lives before whom I stand, surely were it not that I regard the presence of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, I would not look at you nor see you. I wouldn't give you the time of day if it wasn't for this godly king with you. I just think that's funny. And then he goes on and he says, uh, But now bring a musician. Then it happened when the musician played that the hand of the Lord came upon him. And he said, thus says the Lord, make this valley full of ditches. For thus says the Lord, you shall not see wind, nor shall you see rain, yet the valley shall be filled with water so that you, your cattle, and your animals may drink. And this is a simple matter in the sight of the Lord. He will also deliver the Moabites into your hand. Also you shall attack every fortified city and every choice city and cut down every good tree and stop up every spring of water and ruin every good piece of land with stones. In other words, he's saying, you're going to get the victory big time. That's what he's saying. Verse 20 says, now it happened in the morning when the grain offering was offered that suddenly water came by way of Edom. And the land was filled with water. So that's the reading of God's word. And let me pray. Father, I thank you for your presence here today. And Lord, we still need you right now. And we are still looking to you. I need a fresh touch of your grace and your spirit to come upon me. 
And I pray for every one of us, God, that our ears would be open to hear what the Spirit is saying to us today. God, we just love you, and I just pray that you would have your way in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. As we talked about last week, when we talk about mountaintops and valleys, they represent for us those mountaintop experiences, those high places in life, and then they can represent those low places, those more difficult, harder places in life. And we all have mountaintops and valleys in our lives. And uh, the truth of the matter is you probably spend a great deal more time in the valleys than you do on the mountaintops. But we like mountaintops experiences because they give us revelation. They give us a perspective on life and they give us revelation about what's going on and where God is taking us. But it's in the valleys that God works transformation into our lives. And there's a growing process and there's a working out and there's a working in in that period where God gives you a vision of where you're going and what he's doing, but it's down in the valley. I learn dependence and I learn trust and I learn to keep my eyes on the Lord. And, uh, and it's, just that, it's just that process in a, in a part of life. And that, and when we're down in the valley, sometimes we have to kind of do things that aren't necessarily always comfortable and we don't even understand why we're doing them. Things like digging ditches in dried up riverbed valleys. I don't think many of you know this, but in the early 90s or mid 90s, when Julie and I were living in Greeley, Colorado, for a living, I dug ditches. I worked for a construction company and uh, we would put in gas lines all over the Loveland, Fort Collins area down there, just north of Denver. And um, we were pastoring a church, but the church couldn't support us. And I had a young, very young family at the time. And uh, so I had to get food on the table. And I actually needed the job so that I could do what God called me to do, actually. And so I would go out every every day and, and work for this company. And I would grab, I had two little, I had two types of shovels. I had a spade shovel and I had what they called a sharpshooter shovel. And every day I would jump down in the ditch and I would work with the backhoe operator and he would dig a ditch and I would have to kind of be down in the ditch and kind of dig around lines and things like that. Plus on top of it, there would be times I'd have to go dig ditches and trenches where a backhoe couldn't get to. And uh, so I was thinking about that when I was preparing for this, uh, this whole idea about digging ditches. Uh, I was digging ditches in the dirt and at the same time digging ditches in ministry. And I realized looking back at it now as I look back, I think God was doing something in me, in a, showing me in a natural sense what he does in a spiritual or supernatural sense, if you will. That there are times that you have to do things that you don't, it doesn't make sense to you at the time. You don't know why you're supposed to do this. Only that by doing this, you don't even realize that God is preparing you for what He's going to do next. That if you will apply yourself to doing what He says to do now at this season in your life, you're setting yourself up for the time that when He moves, you're going to be able to receive and retain the work of God and the move of God in your life. And so I was out there digging ditches, hating my life all the while. I mean, those were long, hot, hard, cold, rainy, snowy days 
50 hours a week. I didn't want to be out there. I wanted to be at the church. I wanted to be pouring myself into ministry. But God was saying, what I'm going to do there, I'm going to work here. And he wanted to show me some things. He wanted to teach me some principles in life. And so I had a hard head and I was a slow learner. And so it took a long time. Amen. Anybody here ever, can you identify with that? And so anyway, I was out there and I, and it was just, God was just teaching, teaching me that you gotta dig into your valleys sometimes. I was in a valley experience in ministry there for a period of time in my life. And God was showing me that there are times that you have to dig in. And there, there's something that God is going to do. There's a work, there's a miracle, there's a move of God that He's going to bring in our life. But He wants us to get prepared for what He's going to do. We always want things to just kind of fall in our lap. And, you know, we want things to just kind of happen. And we just want God to just take us from here to there. And we just kind of, you know, it's no problem. But listen, when the Lord said, every valley I will exalt, there's an exalting process. But you got to go down into the valley. He'll bring it up. He'll make things work. And it'll be good and it'll be great. And it can happen because God is there, not because you're that good. But there's just, there's just this thing that there are times where we gotta just kinda dig ditches in our life to get to where God, or to get to the place where God is gonna move in a way that we need Him to move. How many of you need God to move in your life? A fresh flow of God's grace and power over your life. And so, today I wanna talk about this. I wanna talk about, I, in, I originally kinda had this thought of the heart of a ditch digger. What it meant to have a heart of a ditch digger. But I really want to just kind of, I would almost change that whole concept. And I, I would like to encourage us about digging for your miracle. Digging for a move of God. But these three principles that I want to share with you, they're three simple principles that I want to share with you about what it means to dig for a miracle of God or having the heart of someone who's digging in. Number one, desperate a desperate heart get we need to get to the place where we are desperate for the word of God we need a word from God we need a word from God people who dig ditches and see a move of God in their life are people who understand that there is nowhere else to turn but to God Michael started out this service by encouraging us as we went into worship. Hey, the answer is the Lord. The answer isn't in who or who isn't or who is the president or what's going on in our culture. The answer is in the Lord. The answer isn't in your favorite preacher or your favorite prophet. The answer is in the Lord. And we need to hear from God And we get in a desperate situation like the Israelites were in. They were wandering around in the wilderness. And they were in a circuit going seven days. And animals were dying. And they were dying of thirst. And they were getting sickly. And they were desperate. They needed to hear from God. Jehoram said, God, we're we're just defeated. God has forsaken us. But Jehoshaphat turned around and said, we need to go to God. We don't need right now to embrace defeat in our life. If we don't like where we're at, we don't need to just kind of give up and get into the blame and the shame game. We need to get hungry for God. Jesus taught us in the 
the book of Matthew chapter 5 verse 6 he says one of the first steps that you take into the kingdom life one of your very first steps is that we need to get hungry and thirsty after righteousness for the people who are hungry and thirsty for God are the ones who are going to be filled hallelujah come on can I get a good amen out there we need to get desperate so in your time of desperation church I just want to encourage us here today focus your desperation on God. Turn to the Lord. We, as a church, as a people, need to turn to the Lord. Whatever the valley is that you're in right now, turn to the Lord. Because we can either go the way of Jehoram, who got into blame and into shame and thought God had forsaken them, or we can become more like Jehoshaphat and say, we need to find God. And when he said, is there a prophet, someone in the group said, Elisha's just down the road. And he said, he's got the word of the Lord. And those three kings left their place and they went in search of the prophet. Generally, kings required people to come to them. But you know, when you're desperate to hear from God, you'll do anything to get to God. You'll get humble. You'll get broken. You'll give up your superiority and all your knowledge and all you think, you know, you have it all together and you have all the power and you have all the answers. When you're desperate for God, you'll humble yourself and you'll do whatever you can to get to the place where you can hear God. And these three kings went and they sought him out and, and uh, we saw the interplay there between Elisha and King Jehoram, and he was kind of pushing back against him, but he basically said, no, we're here, we're dying, we need to know what God says. And so here's what the prophet said. He said, bring me a musician. And so that musician began to play worship music, and there was a song playing. How many of you know that worship shifts the atmosphere? Worship shifts the atmosphere. And the prophet of God called for the the musician to come and to play. And as he was playing, the Bible said in verse 15 that the hand of God touched him and the power of God came upon him. And then he got a word from God. And I just want to encourage every one of us here, when we get desperate for God, do whatever you can to get into the presence of God. We need to shut off the news. We need to shut down media. We need to hide our phone. We need to get off the internet. We need to pull away from all the texting. If you want to hear from God, get in the presence of God. Even put on some music and even just, you know, because music and worship, there's something about the power of music and song of the Lord that shifts the atmosphere and opens your spirit to receive from what, what God wants to say. Amen. We need to do this. When we're in a valley, we need, to get a, we need to get a word from God. And I know a lot of us will say, well, that's a, that's a prophet. That's a prophet hearing from God. I'm no prophet. Only prophets can hear from God. Peter said, we have this prophetic word as a sure hope. That's what Peter said. We have the word of God that speaks to every one of us. And I'll tell you one other thing. We're actually one better in the Spirit than Elisha. He had the Spirit of God come upon him. We have the Spirit of God living in us. And so we can hear from God. 
When you don't know what to do, when you are in a place where you're like, I need God to move, I need a miracle in my life, the very first thing that you and I have to do is we have to get desperate to hear from God ourselves. And not just listen to the many voices of our culture and of our society, or even of the church world where we ourselves are listening to God and we're hearing God for ourselves. Setting our hearts up and setting our lives up for a move of God. But listen, here's what he said. It says in verse 15, or verse 6, verse 15, it says, The hand of the Lord came upon him. And then verse 16, it says, Elisha said, Thus says the Lord. Would you say those words with me? Thus says the Lord. And he said, Make this valley full of of ditches. There had to be somebody in the room that said, what? We're dying out here. Our animals are dying off. We're dehydrated. We're dying of life. We've been seven days without, we don't even know what's going on. And you're telling us in this hot sun, in this barren, desolate place to, to dig ditches? Listen. A heart of a ditch digger, a person who is digging in for a miracle is not only desperate, desperate to get a word from God, but number two, they are obedient to God and they're going to do whatever God tells them to do. You want to see a miracle of God? Do what God has told you to do. God said to them, dig some ditches. There's not a cloud in the sky. There's no promise of rain. The forecast is it's going to be hot and sunny for the next week. Dig some ditches. And he went on to say, but you'll not see a rain cloud and you'll not experience rain, but there's going to come a flood of water over this land. And if you want to be ready for what God is going to do, you're going to have to do what you're supposed to do so that you can retain the grace and the goodness and the glory and the revival that God wants to bring. But if you don't dig ditches, then you're going to miss what God's going to do. It'll just flow right on by you. You'll miss it. You may experience it. You may see it. Have you ever encountered people that are standing in the midst of a revival and they're just watching everybody else get revived, but they're not getting revived? It could be that they haven't been digging their own ditches to retain what God wants to do. They haven't made themselves ready. Come on. Woo, come on. We gotta get obedient. We gotta do what God tells us to do. God said, I'm gonna do this, but you gotta do this. I will do this. I will bring the miracle. I will bring the flow. I will bring the flood, but you must do this. You know, obedience is a big deal to God. Did you know that? James 1.22 says, be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourself. You can't blame anybody else for not knowing if you're not doing the word. Well, I didn't know. I, I, no, if you, if you do what God tells you to do, you know. Amen. 
Some of us are going to stand before the Lord one day because we all stand before the judgment seat of Christ someday. And we're going to say, I didn't know, I didn't know. Oh yeah, you knew, you just didn't do. Come on. James said, be doers of what God tells you. Don't just, li- don't just hear it, do it. Jesus said in Luke chapter 6, he said, why do you call me? Lord, Lord, and you don't do the things which I say. Amen. Can I get a good amen out there? Jesus said in John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. Can I say something? Obedience is a really big deal to God, but it's an even better deal for us who do it. I mean, when you and I will obey what God tells us to do, And dig the ditches he's telling us to dig in our lives. To prepare for what he's bringing. If we'll do it, you're setting yourself up for the grace and the glory and the goodness of God in your life. You're setting yourselves up for a miracle flow of what God is doing, wants to do in the earth. But we have to be positioned and ready to receive it. Having done our part. And so... We need to obey wholeheartedly. What does it mean to obey wholeheartedly? Well, first of all, it means we need to obey immediately. We need to do what God tells us to do when he says to do it. And not, can I tell you, there's no time like the present to obey the Lord. There's no time like the present. If God's told you to do something, we got to stop making excuses for why we can't do it or won't do it. Imagine somebody out there in the desert, well, I... Dig a ditch in this hot, sandy soil. It's rocky and hard. I, know. I can't do that. we we got to stop making excuses for why we can't do it or why it won't work. If God says, I want you to do this, then that's what this is what we need to do. And stop giving excuses for why we can't do it right now. It's not time. I tried that before. It didn't work. Well, try it again. Amen. Are we okay out here today? This will be over in a little bit. Amen. We need to stop making excuses for why we're not doing it and start doing what God has said. Just do it. I love how Jesus came to Peter and John and they were mending their nets and he said, follow me. And the Bible said, and straightway, one translation, another said, and immediately they left their nets and followed him. That's how you obey the Lord, immediately. You don't, we don't drag our feet. We don't kind of give excuses. Well, I'm kind of putting it off and just waiting for a better time. No. And listen, God speaks through His Word. He speaks in our heart. So we have Logos, we have Ramah. I mean, He comes in all kinds. He speaks through songs. He speaks through Isaac. He speaks through me even once in a while. He speaks to you. And when he gives you an instruction, it's immediate. Amen. I'm harping. I need to. We need to. We need to obey immediately. We need to obey specifically. We need to do what God. God told them to dig ditches, and so they got their shovel or their sticks or whatever they had, and they started 
digging those ditches. What are the ditches that God has told you to dig? What are you supposed to be doing to get ready? What are we supposed to be doing to get ready for the miracle move of God, what God wants to do in this valley? This is part of the process of my journey in life. This is, where, this is part of what God has me doing right now to bring me to where he wants me to be. I've seen, I've been to the mountaintop, but I'm in the valley now. And he wants us to dig in to a move of his spirit. What is that? I love that verse of scripture in uh, John chapter 2 where Jesus uh, is at a wedding feast and his mom, Mary, is trying to get him to work a miracle. And he's like, Mom, it's not time, you know. And, and you know, mothers have a way with their children. And she kind of pushed back and she was kind of forcing the issue. And then she turned around and she said to the servants in his hearing, whatever he says to do, do it. That's a word of the Lord. Mary was speaking prophetically to all of us. Whatever Jesus tells you to do, do it. That's what you do. Whenever he gives you an instruction or whenever God speaks, and he does speak through his word, and a lot of God's instruction is already here, but we're still making excuses for why we can't do that and fit that into our life. And it's only, it's only robbing us of the receiving, the full receiving of what God wants to do in our life. So we need to do it. So what is it? Well, God, in his word, may tell you to dig a ditch of a a more consistent devotional life. Maybe you meet with Jesus here and there, and you talk to Jesus while you're driving down the road. But you know, Jesus deserves, he's, he's your number one relationship. He deserves a little bit more time and attention. He deserves that you would dig a ditch of a devotional time with Him where you're spending not just quality time, but time of quantity with Him. And you're getting alone with Him and you're opening up, your, you're cracking your Bible and you're reading the Word of God and you're just, you know, and then you go off and you make sure that you don't take your phone with you because you know what a distraction that is. It would be a distraction if you and I were having a meal together and all you were doing was thumbing through your phone. I wouldn't feel very welcome. I wouldn't feel like you care about my life and about being with me because you're so busy looking at what's on the phone. So Jesus deserves at least that kind of love. So we need to dig the ditch of a devotional life where I'm meeting with Jesus every day of my life and I'm in His Word and I'm in time, quality time of prayer and put on some music and shift the atmosphere of your life from death to life. And you'll start hearing God. He might be saying to you, I want, I want you to dig a ditch of being involved in ministry. I want you to build an ark for me. I want you to build an ark. I want you to start going to work and I want you to get involved in ministry and I want you for the saving of your soul and the family and people around you. I want you to start getting involved in ministry and become a part of that and just dig that ditch in your life. Not leave it up to other people. God has called you to something. God has put a vision in your heart. God has a plan for you. God has gifts for you. Daniel's going to do a class, hopefully, on the giftedness. And we all have received gifts. And God is now saying, I want you to put to work what I've given to you. And just start digging that ditch. 
It's not always fun. It's not always sexy. It's not always glamorous. But if it's what God says for you to do, you need to do it. And me to do. For we. I'll say we. Amen. The Lord may be calling you to dig a ditch in your marriage and to start doing some things that you've been not doing and start talking in ways that you haven't been talking and start spending more time in ways that you haven't been spending more time and you wonder why the marriage is broken and fragile and, and why the, you know, sometimes in order for God to move in your marriage and you to retain what God is going to do in your marriage, there's some ditches that you need to dig relationally for the health and the healing and the wholeness of what God can do. But I got to do the practical things like start talking nice. You know, rekindling that love, however you need to do it. That may be what God is saying to you right now in this season, in this valley that you're in. Are we okay? Maybe the Lord is... Saying, I want you to dig a ditch financially in your life, and I want you to step into a dimension of giving and tithing. And you think, oh, I've tried that before. That's hard. That's hard soil. That's hard ground. Well, just keep digging. Just get, do what God told you to do. The return is going to blow you away. And it may feel like for a while it isn't. But God said, do it. Maybe the Lord's calling you right now to dig a ditch with your neighbor in a good sense, not in a bad sense. Not dig a ditch and bury him. But dig a ditch relationally with them and start talking to them and communicating with them and, you know, just loving them as Christ loves you. Come on, amen? We need to... I, I don't know what God's saying for you to do right now. But if you're desperate to hear from God, He'll give you a word. And He'll say, this is what I want you to do. I want you to dig here. I want you to dig there. And maybe there's more than one ditch we've got to dig. But whatever the case is, if we do what God is telling us to do, then we're just setting ourselves up for a great work of God, a miracle move of God in our lives. Amen? I just want to remind us here today that a supernatural move of God is often found in us doing the practical things. I want God to do the miracle really without me. Just do it. And here's the deal. The ditch wasn't the miracle. It was just a ditch. The power came from God. But God said, you do this, and I'll do that. And so that's our, that's our commission. So we need to obey God immediately. We need to obey Him Specifically, let me give you one final thing before I go on to my last point. We need to obey him continuously. Just keep digging. 
Sometimes we dig for a while, but we don't see any rain clouds. We don't see any promise of anything going to happen. We don't see any payoff for our effort. And we stop digging. We quit digging. We quit. We go away. We give up. We turn back. And this is where we have to just kind of stay with it and persevere and be persistent because we can't forget that God is going to move, but we have got to dig. And the beauty in this is when we are digging, what we're doing by obeying God and and investing our efforts and our time in doing what God tells us to do, and it seems like it doesn't mean anything or make sense, and it even almost seems ridiculous. But listen, you've got to be willing to do the ridiculous in order to experience the miraculous. And so you dig and you dig, and when I'm digging, what I'm doing is I'm creating space for God to fill it up. And the more I dig and the more faithful I am and the more effort I put in and the more love I put in and the more dedication I put in, as I'm doing that, I'm making all kinds of space for when God comes and He just fills the whole thing up. Hallelujah. I love what Paul said in 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty-eight. He encourages us to keep digging in his own words. He says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. I want to tell you something about the Lord. He's got work for us to do. Always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor, everybody says labor. You know that word labor in the original language from the Greek, it literally means beating or trouble. So let's put those words in there. Knowing that you're beating. (laughs) Knowing that your trouble is not in vain in the Lord. It's not easy. Listen. Anybody can quit. Anybody can stop. Anybody can give up. We all do it all the time. But when God says, this is what I want you to do, that's what you do. And that's it. And you feel like you're getting beaten. And it feels like trouble. And it feels like a beating. But here's what he said. And this is what I really want you to get. He said, it's not in vain. And you know, when I looked that up and that word vain, here's what it literally means. This is to be exciting. The word vain means... It's not empty. Ditches. Dig your ditches. Be immovable and steadfast, always abounding in the work of the Lord. And trust me, it won't be empty. Oh, come on now. I thought that was a... That's where... Yeah, that's a little... that's That's what that is. If we stay with it continuously... Because so many of us miss what God is doing. We can, we, can, we can feel or see the revival happening all around us. But because we haven't been in putting in our time and investment, it's just like it's just going by. It's like everybody else is getting touched and they're getting theirs and I'm not getting mine. Well, dig your ditch. Dig, let's dig our ditches. And then the final thing I want to say to dig for a miracle, to have a heart of digging is to be expectant. It's not only desperate, 
being desperate for a word from God, obedient to whatever God tells me to do, but also to have an expectancy to be ready, to be anticipatory to the move of God, knowing that God is going to move. And so he tells them in verse 16, he says, I, I want you to fill this valley full of ditches. And then he gives them this hope. He says, he says you're not even going to see the rain or the clouds, but this place is going to be flooded with water. And you're going to have enough water to fulfill your need. But also, he says, not only will this water fulfill your need, but it will also be the key to your victory over your enemy. And there's a beautiful part that ends all this. But then I love in verse 18, he says, this is, this is easy for God. I love that. It's like God could do this with both hands tied behind his back. This is not a big deal. He's going to take care of you. If you, you, all you do is dig, make this valley full. Do what I've told you to do. And God's going to come through in a huge way. I just, let me, can I just pause right now and just encourage us? God is going to come through for you. I don't know what valley you're in right now. I was in a valley ministry in my life back in, in, in the mid-90s back in Colorado, and I felt, like, I felt so discouraged and so defeated. I felt like, why am I out here digging ditches when God has called me to be a preacher? And, you know, I was looking more for the Billy Graham experience, and, you know, and I thought I was going to have a big church, and I thought it was going to be so important. And God said, yeah, I'll make you important. I'll put you in a ditch first. Because I want to show you how things work in the natural and the supernatural. But we have to have an expectation. And one of the things that I could say that kept me going in those years in my life was I, I struggled a lot with my own insecurities and my own lack of faith and my own complaining and murmuring. But I also, down deep in my soul, I knew God had his hand on my life and Julie and our home. And you know... We need to have that expectancy, looking for God to move in His time and in His way. You know what expectation is? It's really faith. And faith is expectation. God said to Noah, build an ark. And for the next 120 years, that's what He did. The world had never known rain. Or never known revival in that way of refreshing on the earth in that way. But he heard a word from God and he obeyed the word of God. And in all his effort and in all his energy, he was expecting that God's word was going to come to pass. That's why he was able to do what he did. He expected that God was going to be true to his word. And there has to be an expectation in us. And you know, this expectation is two things, real quickly. It is waiting patiently. Everybody say, wait. Let me give you a word. Psalms 25, verse 3 says, Whoever waits on the Lord will never be ashamed. 
You may feel like in the waiting, you feel so much shame. You may feel like, man, I thought God was going to do this. Man, God told me that this was going to happen. And I've been doing this, and I've been putting in, and I've been investing, and I've been, pour, you know, effort after effort, energy, all this. And, and you start to feel embarrassed or ashamed, or you start to feel condemnation. No, the Bible, the Lord promises, you'll never be ashamed if you're waiting on me. I'm good to my word. I don't know if... These guys must have, they must have, uh, do you need music? Oh, I, I thought maybe you weren't on up there. Sorry, I'll preach. Um, <laughs> they were digging ditches, but it wasn't until the next morning that God moved. There's a waiting period in the process of what we're doing. Don't be afraid to wait. Just keep, just keep digging, but don't be afraid to wait. You don't need to be ashamed. And then the other thing I love about what they did, it says it right here in verse 20. It says, and it happened in the morning. I love that word. And it happened in the morning when the grain offering was offered that suddenly, everybody say suddenly, you know, it may take God a long time when he moves, but when he moves, it almost feels suddenly. And it says, suddenly water flooded the land. But I want you to know something. It was at the time of the grain offering. There were five offerings that Israel could bring to the Lord. And some of them were free will offerings, and some of them were offerings of certain requirement. But the grain offering was a free will offering. In other words, it was an offering you could bring to the Lord of your bread or your meat and that you just gave it to God as a sacrifice. You just worshiped God and just said, Lord, I could keep this for myself and I could eat it and I could get a lot out of it, but I'm going to sacrifice this portion of my bread and I'm going to, I'm going to offer it up to you as a, as a sacrifice of worship. So they not only waited in expectation, but they worshipped in expectation. And they worshipped God. And is it any wonder that that's when God moved? Is it any wonder that that's when the waters that were coming from Edom's way flooded over the land right at the time of their period of waiting and their moment of worship? The rest of the story is Moab that next morning. They looked out, and for some reason, from where they stood, looking out into that what was a barren valley, and dry, desolate, no water there, they saw the king of Moab said, it looks like the valley is flooded with blood. It must have been the way that the sun was reflecting off of the water. And it looked like blood. And they said, the king of Moab said, they have gone to war against each other and destroyed themselves. Let's go. Let's get the plunder. And they went down there. And Israel and Edom and Judah were waiting on them. And God gave them a great victory. And they destroyed the nation of Moab. Drove them back, I should say, and drove them out. Do you remember what God said? He said, the water will not only take care of your thirst but it will give you the victory 
over your enemy. Woo, man, isn't that cool? God is just good. He works in wonderful ways. And I wanted to just say that to you today. I just want to encourage you today. You're in a place right now and you're like, why am I here? I should be there. Well, you're not there. So while you're here, dig in. Dig into what God told you to do. Be faithful to it. Because God is getting ready to do something. You don't want to miss it. Amen. Amen, church. Can you stand with me right now? I want to read something to you in closing. I came across this when I was studying, and it's a quote by Charles Spurgeon that he gave over a hundred years ago to his church. And he said, make this valley full of ditches is an order which is given to me this morning for the members of this church. Make ready for the Holy Spirit's power. Be prepared to receive what he is about to give. Each person in this place, make this entire church full of trenches for the reception of the divine water floods. Can we do that right now? Can we just make this our prayer for this season of our life? Not just individually, but as a church and as a people in the times that we live. Father, we come to you now. We thank you, God, for your presence here today. We thank you. Holy Spirit, for the Word. And we just pray that this Word would have a penetrating and permeating effect upon our soul, God. Lord, that it would just be something, Lord, that would bring us into that deeper place with You, God. And I pray, Lord, that we would, in the spirit realm, be ditch diggers, Lord, in the season that we're in, in this valley that we're going through. God, I pray that we would not miss the miracle move of what you're doing in our time. Lord, we want to be, we want to be ready to receive all the water floods of the Holy Spirit's power. God, in this season, Lord, we're crying out, Lord, it, this is hard work. It's long work. It's not easy, Lord. It's, it's not glamorous, but God, it's what you've called us to. And I pray, Lord, that we would be faithful in it. God, that we would be faithful to it. And God, we just pray for an overflowing flood of your spirit over our land right now. Come on, church. Let's make this an intercession prayer right now. Lord, come and flood with floodwaters of the spirit, God. Flow over our lives and in our lives and through our valleys and in this nation and in this city, God. Lord, we need your presence. We need your power, God. We don't have the answers. We're just merely digging the ditches. But God, we pray that you will fill them up. Lord, we want to receive all that you have for us. Spirit of God, come. Spirit of God, come and move. Move in this place. Move in our hearts. Move in our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, God bless you guys. Have a great week.